The race is on, and the 2021 Formula One season is finally over, four days after the controversial Abu Dhabi season finale, with Mercedes dropping its appeal, meaning any remaining doubts hanging over Max Verstappen's Drivers' Championship is gone. But why did Mercedes do this, and what are the implications for F1 and the FIA? I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to answer those questions and more are Scott Mitchell and Glenn Freeman. Well, before we discuss this, I'm going to start off reading the key part of the statement Mercedes issued, confirming it was withdrawing its appeal. The statement was addressed to the Formula One community and fans. It said, We left Abu Dhabi in disbelief of what we had just witnessed. Of course, it's part of the game to lose a race, but it's something different when you lose faith in racing. Together with Lewis, we have deliberated carefully over how to respond to the events at the Formula One season finale. We have always been guided by our love of this sport, and we believe that every competition should be won on merit. In the race on Sunday, many felt, us included, that the way things unfolded was not right. The reason we protested the race result on Sunday was because the safety car regulations were applied in a new way that affected the race result after Lewis had been in a commanding lead and on course to win the World Championship. We appealed in the interest of sporting fairness and we have since been in a constructive dialogue with the FIA and Formula One to create clarity for the future so that all competitors know the rules under which they are racing and how they will be enforced. Thus, we welcome the decision by the FIA to install a commission to thoroughly analyse what happened in Abu Dhabi and to improve the robustness of rules, governance and decision-making in Formula One. We also welcome that they have invited the teams and drivers to take part. Mercedes will actively work with this commission to build a better Formula One for every team and every fan who loves this sport as much as we do. We will hold the FIA accountable for this process and we hereby withdraw our appeal. Well, Glenn, were you surprised Mercedes didn't press on with this appeal? In in some ways, yes, because the more the more we all had time to look into this, and, and interesting, the more legal experts who either sent us stuff at the race or, or were publishing stuff themselves, the more people talked about how these rules could be interpreted in a pure legal sense, the the stronger I felt Mercedes' case got with it, where every every time my understanding of the situation developed. So I don't know about you two, but I kind of got to the point, say Wednesday night. So before we knew they were withdrawing the appeal, I sort of thought if they press on with this, I can't see a way that they're going to look like fail. They're going to, they're going to lose. It seemed, it seemed nailed on to me. So in the end to then see the message this morning, uh, the statement that they were withdrawing the appeal was initially a surprise, but as I think we're going to come on to, why would why would Mercedes pursue this? I don't think they were interested in just trying to prove a point. So if they couldn't get the outcome that they wanted, which would be a change in the result of the Grand Prix and therefore the World Championship, what was really in it for them? So if they couldn't get the ultimate thing that they wanted, I understand why they pulled out. But as I'm sure we're about to come on to, it really does seem like they had a strong case. Well, they certainly had a strong case, but even so, I didn't expect them to go on with the appeal simply because of the way these things actually work. The real politic of it, as I think I described it in a piece on the race website, whether you've got a strong case in a in a real world legal sense is, is by the by, this is the FIA's patch. This is a slightly different set of circumstances and it was always going to come down to what was done behind the scenes, the conversations that were had and the way the two sides could 
reach a bit of an accord to make sure it didn't keep going on. Whether that's right is another matter, but that's just the way the world works. Scott, you were in the press conference Mercedes team principal Toto Wolff held a few hours ago. Can you just elaborate a little on the reasons for not proceeding beyond what they said in the statement? Uh, yeah, um, so basically it comes down to um, Wolf characterised it as effectively, a, the, I think it was the difference between being right and getting justice. Um, so he felt that it absolutely would have, um, it absolutely was a strong case and that in a regular in a regular court, almost guaranteed to win. But this isn't a regular court, basically. The only people that have jurisdiction over F1 matters is the FIA and the International Court of Appeal. So Mercedes weighed it up. They were in conversation with Lewis Hamilton, I think, the entire time, you know, when they initially protested, when they intended to appeal, and then weighing up whether to commit to the appeal. And it basically came down to sort of what Glenn was saying. Do they really think they're going to get justice out of this? And in their mind, justice is the result changes and therefore the championship outcome changes as well. And they decided that through the uh, processes that were available in front of them, which we'll probably get on into a bit more specifically in a second, they didn't think that that justice was achievable. And with obviously what everything a um, an appeal would then put F1 as a, a wider competitive entity through... I think Mercedes decided it wasn't worthwhile. And I understand why people get, or especially Lewis Hamilton and fans would get upset about the idea of the good of the sport. You know, like why Mercedes worried about protecting the good of the sport, given what's happened. Ultimately, if Mercedes aren't going to get what they want out of it, you just end up in a lose, 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 lose situation. And I think that was something that the Mercedes and Lewis between them Hard as, it, hard as it was for them to come to that conclusion, decided this is not worth uh, pursuing. And Glenn, that thing about the good of the sport, one thing's for sure, had they gone on with this appeal, who knows exactly when it would have been heard. This this would have continued to rumble on and on and on. So I guess that's an outcome that F1 and the FIA in particular are relieved not to have to go through. I'd imagine everybody's ultimately relieved about that, except as Scott mentioned People are on the sort of Lewis Hamilton side of this debate. And I I never think that for the good of the sport is a good reason. It should be the only reason to drop something. I think we've explained now that there are more reasons beyond that. Mercedes can add that to the list of reasons that they're not doing it. But ultimately, if they thought they had a really strong, credible chance of getting what they wanted, they would forget the good of the sport element. But... I've got a question probably for, for both of you two, really. And I think we're going to talk about this a bit more in a minute. But you said that one of the reasons they Mercedes didn't want to carry on with this was because you end up basically trying to argue against the FIA in the FIA's realm. Is that is that a weakness of this whole system? Yeah, certainly. <laughs> it's just, it's effectively rigged, isn't it? Because any institution, this isn't just the FIA, they're not very good at holding themselves to account, are they? That's not what they're there for. They close ranks. We've already seen a few different signs of this. So certainly, I don't think they'd have got the most fair and straightforward hearing. It's one of the reasons why I said I didn't expect the appeal to go ahead, because the FIA, it's in its interest to stop it happening. So it's not just about bargaining. It's also about the FIA making clear what its positions will be, making clear to Mercedes what the potential outcomes 
would be of it. So, yeah, it, it's a weakness, but I don't think it's a weakness that is unusual, should we say. As soon as you've got any form of internal inquiry, you've usually got problems. Yeah, I think uh, I think anyone can see the issue with um, an FIA court made up of FIA-appointed panel members reviewing the actions of FIA stewards who have defended the actions of the FIA race director. There is a common theme there, isn't there? And I, I just don't see how you can expect actual pure accountability because that that system that system just doesn't work. Uh, it is it is totally flawed, and I think that's um, I think that's at the heart of what Toto meant when he talked about. You know, he made a point of stressing that in a regular court, he thought they had a basically guaranteed case <laughs> that was going to win. Um, but this isn't a regular court, so it's a it's a massive problem. As does the fact that uh, as is the fact that you know I've, I've had a, quite a few messages from people ask why um, they had to do it this way. Why why couldn't they have sought it independently? You know, why not go to the court of arbitration for sport, for example? But that's not an option. The the FIA are the uh, in the you know the statutes lay out the FIA as the sole regulator and controller of everything that happens in the world of Formula One, um, with the exception being for doping matters, which is expressly uh, outlined in the FIA's statutes as being a matter for the Court of Arbitration for Sport. So unless it's a doping matter, you know, CAS doesn't have anything to do with this. So it, that that wasn't an option. Mercedes were basically stuck. It was go through the... Uh, it was go through the FIA court or don't go through any court at all. And I think it's, uh, as, we've been, as we've been discussing, it basically came down to do we fancy our chances of getting the FIA-appointed panel to go against the FIA stewards that the FIA race director did nothing wrong and not really a shock that they didn't really fancy their chances of doing that. The only thing that would have made a difference is if there was a genuine avert breach of the law in some way, shape or form. And unfortunately, there's no laws in the world about when you bring the safety car in about how many lap cars you let pass. I've seen a few people making the case about, well, this impact betting, etc. But this ultimately, yes, it dictated the result of the race, but it's not any form of match fixing in the conventional sense. So that wasn't going to be an avenue that, uh, that worked. But it is interesting, Scott, because as you said, Wolf did say almost guaranteed was the phrase he used about if it was a legal case and he referred to the FI marking its own homework. So looking at the wider implications of this, it's quite a dire indictment of the whole process, isn't it? That there's no sensible recourse to at least have the process gone through properly and fairly. Yeah, it's almost like when you look at it, when you look at a situation like this, because it, you're not really presented with uh, proper ICA hearings that often in the world of Formula One. So you don't really think about it that, that much. It's pretty astonishing that you can get to this point and not have an independent regulatory body. Um, and for for that reason, I think this is a good opportunity for F1 and the FIA to to work out exactly how they want that situation to, to work in the future, what they want the processes to be, what do they want the structure to be. Because reform is always a good idea, especially when things aren't fit for purpose. And I think this kind of incident shows the FIA court process is not fit for purpose when it's the FIA that are on trial. You know, if if we'd had, um, let's take what happened on Sunday for an example, you know, Red Bull were getting up in arms about the fact that Mercedes went to 
Abu Dhabi with a with a QC present, one of the one of the most prominent um, lawyers available, basically. And you know, Red Bull made a big fuss of that, but Mercedes did that because they were fearful that Max Verstappen was going to take out Lewis Hamilton. That that's why they had legal counsel there. And if that is what had happened, and we'd gone through a stewards process and an ICA hearing to determine an incident between the two drivers, then we wouldn't be sat here saying, "Oh, there's some question marks here about how that works." You know, how do they? How can we trust that they're going to be independent? How can we trust that they're going to actually have sensible judgment? Blah blah blah. Because the FAA aren't implicated in what's being challenged at all. None of us expected the control. We, we were kind of half expecting it to end controversially because of the way the season was. None of us were expecting that the controversy would really be intervention from the FIA itself, and therefore that it was the FIA itself that would be challenged and exposed to some kind of legal action. Which is why we're in this situation now, where we can actually say, okay, here's a specific situation where the current structure doesn't work, and this is what Toto Wolff was getting at. Um, he sees this as an example of the fact that there are quite a few problems that need addressing, and it's just a good it's a good opportunity for F1 and the FIA, together with the teams and with input from the drivers, to look at everything and say, right, what can be improved and where. But the problem is, I suspect all of that will be restricted entirely to the specific events of what happened in Abu Dhabi and any of this wider stuff won't actually be addressed. So even though this is the right time and opportunity to consider whether the FIA needs to reform the you know the way it's regulated or, or whatever the judicial process is, I can't see it happening mainly because, well, the FIA, they're only interested in strengthening their own position, are they? They're not going to open themselves up to some kind of independent, external, like third party. Yeah, this is the problem. There's been quite a few issues over the past year in terms of the way races have been managed and stewarding and that kind of thing. I do feel race control to an extent has somewhat lost control of things. Even before Abu Dhabi, I was thinking that. So I hope that a broader look will be taken at this, but I'm not going to hold my breath expecting it to to happen. It's uh, it's, it's a problematic, uh, a problematic situation. But this line, Mercedes saying they'll hold FIA accountable for this process, what does that actually mean in in real terms? Does anyone have an answer to that? Uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of difficult. Um, that obviously ties in with what the FIA said on Wednesday evening, which is which was like the precursor to this Mercedes announcement. The FIA coming out and saying that there's going to be an in-depth review into what happened, and they effectively admitted that some mistakes were made, um, but then didn't really sort of elaborate beyond that and also tried to shift the blame a little bit onto people misunderstanding what had happened. But they basically, the whole point of that is to set, have a panel or a, some kind of review or probe, whatever you want to call it, to work out what went wrong and work out what they could implement or change to make things better for the start of the 2022 season. And Mercedes are basically saying, we're going to feed into that process as much as possible we're going to do everything we can to make sure that the FAA actually deliver action on this. Wolf said that the, the the FAA can't get away with just saying the right things with this sort of stuff. There has to be tangible change. And I believe him and I think it will be a massive priority for Mercedes because they've been unhappy with how F1's been run by the FIA for, I reckon, seriously, for about 15 months. I think the, the, the first, it, it probably go back further than this, but I think the first major 
issue was uh, at Mugello, the the Tuscan Grand Prix in 2020. Do you remember the safety car restart crash? Absolute huge pileup. And as I understand it, Mercedes had gone to the FIA before that race and said, if you do a safety car restart, please can you basically um, manage it in a way that allows us to allows the race leader to, to to manage the pace as sensibly as possible because with this the way the long straight is if you if you do the restart um in a if you do the restart in a certain way there then the race leader is going to have no choice but to back the field up and up and up and up and up until as late as possible and then you're going to cause carnage and basically the response was no they'll handle it the way they see fit and what happened in the grand prix they handled it in a way that I think was it, it was Bottas, I think, that was that was leading. Backed them up and up and up because that's what he had to do to protect his lead. And then that caused carnage behind. And since then, there's just been countless cases of people being unhappy with how it's been run, whether it's the race director, Michael Massey, who's obviously under fire for what happened in Abu Dhabi, or if it's the stewarding, inconsistent stewards' decisions or weird defences and explanations for things, stuff that doesn't quite make sense. So Wolf's basically said he was asked... Um, if basically removing Massey as race director would be something that Mercedes needs to see happen before the start of next year. And he was very clear that it goes beyond you know, answering whether the removal of a single race director is the one decision that needs to be made here. He says there's a wider problem with how the FIA runs things effectively. And that is all the stuff that needs to be, needs to be reviewed. So it's a, it's a pretty big problem for, for F1 to be in. But I think because it has now reached this point of, I can't, I think the word, I think the, the word Toto used was a catastrophic sporting outcome in the season finale, has I think pushed them to the point where Merck are really, really angry about this. And I think they're going to throw everything they can at the FIA to address the various shortcomings that have been sort of bubbling away under the surface for the last 18 months or so. I think all the wording is is a warning from Mercedes and just letting the FIA know that this isn't something that you can hope goes away over the off-season and then we're going to focus on our 2022 car and the new season and we're going to come back with clear heads and we're going to let you off the hook. So by saying they will hold the FIA accountable, if whatever the FIA comes back to the teams, I think they, they said teams, media, fans, they, they're going to tell everybody what they find from this kind of inward looking uh, investigation that they're going to do if something about that is unsatisfactory or hasn't gone deep enough or hasn't done enough the impression i get is that the first people to tell the fia that they've not done a good enough job will be mercedes and mercedes have the moral authority to do that because no matter what side you're supporting the the processes were not followed correctly and i wrote a piece for the the race website that looks at the balancing act that F1 and all sports have in terms of the sport as entertainment thing. Yes, you want a sport to be entertaining, but if it goes too far into being an entertainment product, you get outcomes like this. And it's very clear that the wider problem with the way the races are managed is they're trying to increase how entertaining the sport is, Formula One racing is, not by creating the right framework, but by throwing in a few chaos factors. And that's what motivated what happened in Abu Dhabi as far as I'm concerned. So I hope that Toto Wolff and, and Mercedes do indeed keep holding them accountable to, to make sure that process is correct. And I'm sure we'll hear them come back to that topic in the future. 
Glenn, there was brief mention of the the FIA's reaction earlier. Obviously, the World Motorsport Council statements from Wednesday referred to what happened tarnishing its image. Well, don't think anyone will disagree with that. Promised a detailed analysis and clarification exercise. Great, but perhaps not the most encouraging statement you'll ever read, was it? No, I mean, you, you can't argue with the element of tarnishing the image and it's it's totally right that a detailed analysis must take place. Even before we get to the bit that has really bothered people, uh, ourselves included, even the use of the phrase clarification exercise, I wasn't that comfortable with because that that made the issue feel too small for me as if, oh, well, all we've actually got to do is is show you you all just need to, we need to clarify exactly why this happened and then it'll all be okay. But obviously what was what was really bad here, and, and I wasn't that comfortable with the timing actually, for for the governing body to not have an official statement and position on this until three days after the event wasn't great. I assume they will say that was because they wanted to have something concrete to say after the scheduled World Motorsport Council meeting. Um, so maybe we won't dwell on that. But it's the line that you haven't mentioned there, Ed, where they talked about there's been a significant misunderstanding that has led to the the image being tarnished and all the arguments that are taking place. I really don't like the insinuation of people are just annoyed because they don't understand what happened. And if you're going to make that statement, you have to follow it up with telling people what they don't understand and, and, and helping them understand it. If you're going to take the very bold strategy of, oh, you're only annoyed because you don't get it, you have to follow that up with, here's what you need to know so that you do get it. If you don't back that claim up immediately, which they haven't, then I think all you're doing is 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 making the problem worse. You're fanning the flames. And I think that's what the FAA had done with their statement on Wednesday night. They They made the situation worse. Yeah, it just shows they're setting out their stall just to say, no, the problem is is not with, with what happened. And I hope that, that as part of this process, there is an admission and a detailed admission of of the things that, that went wrong. Because for me, the important thing, actually, <laughs> it, it won't feel like this to anyone at Mercedes or uh, any fans or, or anyone. Almost the result of the Drivers' Championship is incidental to this. That That's kind of by the by. There's a bigger picture here about the governance of Formula One, the way it's run. And that's the really important thing that has to be has to be tackled here. But also, Glenn, we, we obviously don't know what changes are going to be made as a result of what happened. But we've mentioned Michael Massey's future as race director. It has been widely questioned. Do you just think purely based on the whole circumstance of the situation that his position is is still tenable? It's it's very difficult to say. I, th- I think it's interesting how little his name has come up in any official communications about this, particularly from the FIA. There's not exactly been a, a huge public vote of confidence or standing by their man, but... That might be because they're just trying to not make this a Michael Massey issue. So trying to keep him out of the out of the firing line and, and maybe avoid hanging him out to dry. Even before this weekend, this has been a bad year for F1 officiating. I, th- I think we can see from all the communication we get from fans and, and all the, the, num- the huge number of stories and contentious decisions we've had to deal with this year. There is a problem there. Is that problem fundamentally down to Michael Massey. Maybe in certain areas, 
is the, the thing that's I've given this a lot of thought. The thing I'm coming to is I just wonder if that position, which was previously held brilliantly by Charlie Whiting for so long before his untimely death, I don't think that's a one person job anymore. I know the race director has deputies, but I think race direction itself perhaps needs to be far more people. I understand the need for one person's word to be final, but maybe just the way the rest of the job is divided up, those deputies need to have more responsibilities. The final decision can still lie with with one person, but maybe less of the work that goes into that can all fall on one person's shoulders anymore. Because whether it's because the job's got harder or Massey's not doing as good a job as, as Charlie did, I, I, I'm not convinced that if you put someone else in there, they would find it any easier or be that much more competent. And one of those issues, of course, is the, the radio communication with the teams, which I've got very strong opinions about. I don't think, I certainly don't think team bosses should have a button where they're shouting in his ear when he's trying to make decisions. One area I do sympathise with Massey on during that safety car was the fact that he was trying to make a decision. I think we can all agree that through the number of hoops he tried to jump through or should have jumped through, he got the process wrong, but he wasn't helped at all by two men motivated purely by self-interest telling him what to do or telling him what what they thought he was going to do was going to be wrong and, and shouting at him. I think I think Christian Horner used the word screaming at one point. He said we were screaming at him. Nothing the teams can offer Massey at that point is of any use to him whatsoever because they are purely looking to benefit themselves. So as an example of a piece of the job that I think needs to go to someone else, I think there needs to be effective, for want of a better phrase, of a human shield for the race director, where the teams, via their team managers, not their team bosses, are in contact with someone else. And if a message needs to go to the race director, then the person in the race director's team decides, okay, Michael, uh, this has been raised. We need you to decide on this. My from what we've seen. Uh, in the in the limited communications that have been broadcast throughout this season, the majority of those complaints from the teams wouldn't need to go to the race director. They wouldn't need to waste his time with that. And then he can focus on the other parts of the job. So I think that's a very clear example of as this as part of this huge review that should be going on, there needs to be fundamental changes, I think, to the job description of the race director. If you find yourself nodding along in agreement with Glenn there, check out his piece on the race headlined, Wolf and Horner must share some blame for F1 finale mess that was out, I think, a couple of days ago on, on Tuesday. So that that uh, elaborates on that. But Scott, what was Toto Wolf saying about this? Because he did talk about both the communication side and he addressed Michael Massey. So does he want to see changes there? And, and do you get the sense that Toto Wolf wants Michael Massey's head on a plate for this? <laughs> um, I think it's... It's difficult to say. It was clear that Toto didn't really want to address the Massey issue completely on on its own. I think, as I said before, the bigger issue there is them recognising wider shortcomings within the FIA process. And obviously Massey will feed into that in a big way. Personally, I think that Massey uh, no longer being race director, I my assumption was going to be that would be um, that would be the minimum that Mercedes accept. But I'm not going to say that that's what they have demanded. I, I can't say whether that's what 
they've demanded Wolf wouldn't uh, Wolf wouldn't comment specifically on that, and it would be unfair of me to say that that is what Mercedes has indicated because, for all I know, they they might bafflingly be completely happy with Mazzy staying on next year and there being absolutely zero change. I just know that exactly how it's worked this year and especially how it played out in that finale cannot be allowed to continue next year. That's what Mercedes' position is. So I'd be surprised if they were um, completely happy with Massey staying on. I think if Massey is to stay on as race director, they would need to have some kind of quite big change about how that role works. One of the key things we don't know that I'd be fascinated to find out more about is how what we hear now of how Massey communicates with the teams, how that's different to how race control communicated with the teams under Whiting and crucially how the teams communicated with Charlie. Was there more respect there in the past? Are they as pushy as they are now that we hear because they think they can get somewhere with Massey? Can they can they influence him more than they could with Charlie or were they always this bad and Whiting just had his own way of dealing with it? I think perhaps one of the key factors in determining Massey's future will be if if this investigation makes it obvious to the FIA that perhaps he doesn't have the respect of the people he's trying to to order around and to control. Um, I... I mean, what, what, what's what's the vibe that you two get? Is there an impression that he may be, is he, is he too soft? Is he too easily influenced? And, and, and is he, in general, not looking just at this incident, does he have the respect of the pit lane? We've known for a while that there's been quite some concerns about him from some of the team managers and sporting directors. They found him difficult to deal with. I think part of it is he lacks Charlie Whiting's knack for if something's happened and it's found to be problematic, learning from it and saying, okay, well, we get we did that last time, but actually, yeah, we, we've, I've taken on board what you said, so next time we'll do it this way. Whereas I get the impression Massey tends to be more defending the decisions relentlessly. And then, and this actually wasn't of his making, it was the stewards that were making these decisions. But when it got to the point when he was trying to defend the Interlagos one and other things, it became problematic because he was defending contrary positions as if they were the same, if you see what I mean. So again, that's an indication of why there's a wider problem as well. So while I suspect the outcome of this is that probably his position is untenable as as race director, it would be very wrong for that to be considered the only thing that needs any kind of change. And I think it'd be very wrong to disregard the the influences and the forces that were making him do certain things, particularly when it comes to decisions that are made to liven up, up the show. That's the big concern. The race director needs to be able to direct the race, which I know sounds a bit stating the obvious, but they shouldn't be thinking about what's exciting, what's good. Yeah, get the race restarted if you can. But if there's if there's undue pressure to do it, whether that's directly stated with someone saying you've got to do this now or him knowing that that's what's what's expected and that's what people are going to be asking him after why didn't you do this then that's a problem and i think that sort of the the liberty media the f1 side commercial rights holder and the regulator perhaps need to be just taking half a step away from each other yeah they need to be working together but they don't you know the fia isn't there to enact the will of the commercial rights holder solely that that's I think an important uh, thing Scott 
Toto Wolff also said, Lewis and I are disillusioned at the moment. So although he stressed that disillusionment wasn't with motorsport as a whole, but rather with a question of what he called fairness and uh, sporting fairness and authenticity. Hamilton, of course, has got a two-year contract covering 2022 and 23 with Mercedes. That was signed earlier this year. Did Wolf give you a clear impression of how Hamilton has reacted to this? And, and is there any suspicion that perhaps Hamilton might just think, oh, I've, I'm done with this? I, I think uh, I think if you take what Lewis said on, I think it was to a few corners from the end of the Grand Prix on that final lap in Abu Dhabi where he called it um he said it has been manipulated. Uh combine that with the fact he's been completely silent. I know Mercedes has as a whole. So it's not just um it's not just Lewis has just gone off the grid on completely on his own. But Lewis has been silent. Mercedes have now broken their silence. But Lewis is still not doing anything. He's not gone to the FAA prize-giving ceremony at the end of the season. I think it's very clear that Lewis has understandably taken this very badly. I think that he and the team feel quite betrayed by what's happened. Um, I think they. I think. I think what Wolf said about Lewis being a sort of person who has a certain set of values is absolutely spot on because I do like to think that everyone on the grid and pretty much everyone in the paddock does have the right idea of sporting fairness, but they're obviously all at different points on that spectrum, aren't they? So some of them can sort of, it just doesn't, it's not that it never matters. It's just, it's whether you really care, but we know how many times we heard Lewis talk about wanting to win the right way and drive the right way. And, you know he, he he's happy to 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 meddle in grey areas, but he I don't think Lewis ever sort of willingly crosses a line. I don't really think there's a driver on the grid who would feel more aggrieved by a sort of perceived ma- major injustice, and I think it's completely valid for him to see this as a colossal injustice. Um, Toto Wolff is a mar- one of many people who has now said you know, Lewis was absolutely robbed of the title on Sunday. So I think it I think it has really hurt. I think he needs a bit of time to just bin off F1 for a little bit and just be like, ah, oh, you know, I can't be bothered to deal with this right now. I think it's going to take a long time for Mercedes to get over it if they ever do. But I don't think it's a at a point where we're really seriously questioning whether Lewis will come back next year um, for certain. And I think it I. I I would like to think it won't feed into Lewis's decision over sort of like when he wants to stop racing. I think it's more just in the immediate, in the really short term, he doesn't want anything to do with F1 for a bit. I think he wants to switch off because he feels really hurt. And I also think there's going to be quite a big job on for the FIA to convince Lewis that he believes that that organization is fit for purpose. And that's quite a big thing. If you're seven time world champion and the greatest ambassador for the sport, doesn't believe in the governing body then whether he's around for one more year two more year five more years that's a massive problem for the FIA to deal with and I think they might be underestimating just how upset Hamilton and Mercedes are yeah and you can't blame them because of the way uh, things were handled but Glenn now the dust has has settled on things how big a blight is this building a remarkable season and also the credibility of F1 and the FIA yeah pretty big um 
It's it's such a shame that such an exciting, brilliant F1 season ended in this way. It'll be interesting in years to come to see, because nothing's changed, it'll be interesting to see when everything, over time, memories get distilled, don't they? Will will this element of the season be remembered as much as, as the excitement that we had on track? But in terms of the credibility of F1 and the FIA, I think it's a wider problem, as we've mentioned already, that lots of things have happened this year that have made the organisational side of F1 look like it potentially comes up short. And as, as F1 enjoys this boom in popularity and all these new fans coming in, you've got to do as good a job as possible on that side of things so these people don't come in and get almost immediately disillusioned. It's it, One of the things that was fascinating about the reaction to this weekend was how widespread it was. You're getting people who you had no idea, famous people, you had no idea had any interest in F1 who have maybe got into it this year or were even drawn in by the fact that it was a, a title decider where they were level on points. They went, well, I've got to watch that. They were coming away confused, not understanding what happened. So F1 has got to be better because it can't disenfranchise these new fans, but also old fans. How many fans have been around for decades? I've seen messages of people saying, you know, they, that, those are the people I think that really took the um, the message about the misunderstanding to heart because they're going, well, I've watched your sport for 40 years and suddenly you're telling me I don't know anything about it or I don't know enough about it to understand it. The wider problem, I think, comes back to inconsistency in decisions as well. That's not really an issue here because we've not had this problem before. But the driving standard stuff is all over the place. And this all it all feeds into the same issue that we've discussed here at length, really, that it feels like that side of F1 or the FIA either is losing or has lost control. One of my big issues alongside the inconsistencies is the punishing based on outcome rather than perhaps the offence um, that's that's taken place. That's been an issue for a while. And I think you end up with certain drivers in some ways trying to exploit that because they think, well, if I send a really dangerous move down the inside and everyone jumps out of my way, and I'm genuinely not naming names here because we've seen it throughout the field, they sort of think now that if they don't collect anyone, they're going to get away with it. Is that right? Is that going to cause a bigger problem down the line? The the amazing thing for me, and we mentioned this at the start, we talked about the lawyer, was that we went into that season finale wondering if Max and Lewis would collide in the title race and what controversy would we have there. <laughs> in some ways, that would almost at least be a sporting controversy. It would be straightforward compared to this. In some ways, I, I think that what we've ended up with is worse because it's kind of an, an organisational controversy, not one that's as easy for people to understand in some ways and one that requires you to look into legalese and, and to have lawyers getting involved on, on that side of things. That's not a good look for F1 as, as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, I think I think we've, we've been snowballing towards this point and now what's critical is that what the FIA claims it's going to do over this winter results in, in tangible change. Scott, your closing remarks? That this has resu- result, been resolved in the way I expected it to with Mercedes withdrawing the appeal. Um, but it can't end here because if we're saying that this is all about accountability, I know, know that 
you know the the especially the the most passionate of Lewis Hamilton fans think that the only acceptable conclusion was going to be to change the result of the race and the championship. The fact is that while Mercedes were aiming for that, that that's the only form of justice that would have merited going through with the appeal. But there are other things that can be won here. And that is why Mercedes has jumped on this FIA review thing, because they know that it is all about making sure that a difference is made for the future for future seasons so that this can't happen again. So there is there is still something to be fought for here. It's not going to be what the people calling for justice want or think is acceptable, but it is still very, very important because while it may be interpreted that the that Mercedes not appealing this decision has let the FIA off, that isn't one hundred percent what's happened. What's important now is that accountability is pushed for so that the FIA isn't completely let off the hook. That's the thing that can't be allowed to happen here. Yeah, I'd agree with both of you on that. And I think the the greatest almost tragedy of this is that it's it's not tarnished the achievements of anyone this season, but it's just cast a bit of a shadow over the season. Obviously, Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes season, the way Max Verstappen clinched the championship, not the way he won it, because it was won over the whole season and Verstappen had a magnificent season. Red Bull also did a, a great job. It's not about who's the worthy winner, etc. Actually, both of these drivers had absolutely stunning seasons, really, really remarkable. And in most seasons, the, the campaign either of them delivered would give them a, a dominant championship victory, probably. But it's just the fact that the FIA the way the race was run, they messed up their big day, didn't they? The eyes of the world were on Formula One and they blew it in a, an extremely arcane and stupid procedural way. Because had things done a little bit differently, that whole scenario with the second place car behind on fresher tyres, making the pass on the last lap, that can happen. That That's the nature of the beast. Generally, the safety car does help the car that's behind and can set up those situations so you can't be angry at the potential of that situation happening but it's just the way that it was created and and it is it's a shame and the hope now is that the FIA takes it seriously isn't just in damage limitation circle the wagons mode all the way and actually comes out of this in a in a better position and not just the FIA but that the commercial rights holder allows the regulator to regulate there aren't extra pressures there that the teams understand that they have a small part to play in a lot of this as well. And we just end up with a slightly more coherent sporting arena because that's what it's about. It's not sport purely as an entertainment product yet. It needs to be entertaining, but it's an entertaining sport, not an entertainment that is a sport, if you see what I mean. Slight difference there in terms of what you're trying to achieve. This isn't reality TV. It is reality. So don't don't mess with it for the wrong motivations. Well, thanks very much, Scott Mitchell and Glenn Freeman, for your insights. A very controversial way for the season to end, obviously. And we're probably going to come back to this topic again in the future because it's not just all over and done and dusted with a a few things said and a few heads rolling. It's about now the long-term changes for Formula One. Do head to therace.com and don't forget the hyphen as there's huge amounts to read there about this controversy and the rest of the world of motorsport. We'll obviously have a huge amount of F1 content over the winter and our podcasts will keep on coming as well. Well, as indeed will our YouTube videos. We'll be back soon with everything you need to know from the world of Formula One.